Hello there, friends. This is Spencer Michaud, and welcome to your weekly astrology forecast for the week of September 21st through September 27th. I hope that you're doing well out there. Uh, this week, we're going to be talking about our fall equinox as the sun ingresses into Libra. Um, we're also going to be experiencing quite a bit of Mercury contacts this week. Uh, it's going to square Pluto on Monday, um, conjoin some very important fixed stars, Spica and Arcturus, on Tuesday, the day of the fall equinox. Uh, it will square Saturn on Wednesday, the 23rd, when we will also be experiencing a first quarter moon. And then it's going to oppose uh, Mars on Thursday, the 24th. And then finally, Mercury is going to end the week by moving into Scorpio. So we have a, a, a very active um, Hermes this week. He's, uh, he's having a lot of conversations and going back and forth between a lot of different interested parties. Um, we're going to be continuing the buildup of the Mars retrograde square to Saturn that is going to perfect on Tuesday, the 29th. Um, so that's going to be kind of a, the backdrop of what everything is based on this week, that kind of frustration where we're wanting to move forward, but we're really having to examine all of our systems and, and slow down a little bit. So it's kind of the overview of what we're going through this week. Um, trying to streamline what, what I'm doing with the forecast here. Uh, got some really great suggestions from all of you over the last week or so, and I'm really appreciative of all that. And uh, I'm going to try to implement some of it. So here we go. Uh, let's do a planetary condition report here. I'm going to share my screen. And I'm going to change the way I do some things here a little bit. Um, I'm going to only talk about the aspects for the um, for the seven traditional planets, unless there is an exact hit with one of the outers. I'm going to try to add in uh, some understanding about planetary speed, which is something that I'm, you know, getting more familiar with. Um, I had some uh, some tips on how to to check out the speed of the moon, so I'll share my very basic understanding of that right now. But let's start out with the sun. So the sun is going to be starting out in Virgo, moving from 28 to 30 degrees of Virgo. It is peregrine in that final decan. This is where we had our new moon and our light is increasing over the course of this week. Excuse me, hopefully you've got a, a, a divine assignment about what kind of legacy you wanna create and what kind of things you need to get rid of in your life and what kind of things you want to preserve. That's what this lunar cycle is all about. On the 22nd, the, the, the sun is going to move into Libra. So keep your eyes peeled for that and the shift in, in energy that we have. Um, in the final degrees of Virgo, the sun is peregrine, so it doesn't have essential dignity. It will be in the terms of Saturn from 28 to 30 degrees, and will be making a trine to Jupiter and Saturn in Capricorn. It's not making any other aspects to any other traditional planets. Um, its host will be Mercury in Libra, uh, where it will be in aversion to that host until it moves into Libra. Okay, so it's, it's the first couple days here. Uh, we still may have some confusion about what we're trying to do with everything. Um, the sun represents kind of the the light of the mind, the awareness, how we gain vitality, that kind of light bulb aha moment. Um, so we may get more of an aha moment as the sun moves into Libra on Tuesday. And it is going to be moving from zero to five degrees of Libra over the course of the week. 
when it is in Libra, it will be in its fall. So it is losing uh, some essential dignity, I guess you could say. I mean, Peregrine isn't very good. Um, I've been taking this really cool uh, series of courses with Bernadette Brady that started this week on some medieval techniques. And she's been talking about um, essential dignity and the triplicity system. And I liked the way that she was describing some of the traditional detriments because she has a, a more optimistic Jupiterian view on um, essential dignity, which is to be expected. I like her positive attitude. Um, she, she says that uh, a planet in its own domicile doesn't have any problem expressing itself in its very nature, um, but a, a planet in its uh, detriment or its exile is kind of outside the establishment's expectation for um, how we're supposed to operate. Um, and I thought that was a really interesting way of thinking about it. And she talks about this with exaltations and fall as well, where the exaltation planet uh, is kind of a planet that is able to achieve what it's set out to do, but through consistent effort over time, through this building, you know, like the moon is waxing to fullness. Whereas the fall is kind of like remembering having once held a position and then potentially having maybe a little bit of depression about losing that position. So what the sun is going through this week is maybe having attained some kind of uh, status over the course of the summer where it was very strong. And now it's starting to begin to lose that status as the nights begin, begin to increase in their length. So we have this kind of, um, and I'll talk about this when we get to Libra, but we'll, through our daily um, practice here, um, but the, the basic gist of it is that you, we may be avoiding uh, commanding authority and, and needing to bounce it off of others since uh, Libra is a Venus ruled sign. But I will break that down in depth as we move forward through the week. Um, the sun in Libra is going to be on the terms of Saturn from zero to six degrees. It is going to be making an overcoming square to Jupiter and Saturn in Capricorn. It's going to be moving into an opposition with that retrograde Mars and Aries, so that'll uh, add some spiciness to our life here. But it will be sextiling its host, uh, Venus, in Leo. So that is a, an interesting improvement, I guess, from the aversion it was having to its host, Mercury. So you can see now, the, once the sun moves into Libra, it is able to witness its host, Mercury, and receive kind of uh, instructions and in, uh, receive resources because the sun is hanging out in the, in the temple of Venus. So this might give us a better awareness of what we are trying to, what kind of um, identity we are trying to craft with, with Venus moving through the final degrees of Leo this week um, and, and kind of defending our right to be and, and that hard fought authenticity that we've been working through over the past weeks. Um, I don't know about all of you, but I've been using this final uh, week or so of Virgo season to really take a look at my schedule and really see like what stays and what goes. I've been updating my website. Um, I've been, you know, updating the types of offerings that I'm going to put out there. I've been putting things together for a Patreon that I'd like to launch pretty soon. Um, just going through and re-examining all the details of the material containers that I want to pour um, my divine 
knowledge or my the light of my spirit into. And I think that's what we've been doing in, in Virgo season. And we're going to, you know, we're going to be brought to judgment, I think, with that when we move into Libra season. Okay, let's talk about Saturn. Saturn's going to be retrograde this week, um, moving through uh, the 26th degree of Capricorn. So it'll look like 25 cap on our chart, but that's actually the 26th degree. Um, it is retrograde in motion. It will be uh, slow because it is is getting ready to turn direct. So anytime a, pla a planet is about to switch direction, retrograde or direct, it, it slows down so that it can it can reverse its course. Saturn's going to be in the um, in its own domicile and its own terms this week from 22 to 26 degrees. It'll be co-present uh, with Jupiter in Capricorn. It is making that overcoming square to Mars and Aries, slowing Mars down and, and asking us to really consider the ramifications of our actions before we take them. It's going to be trining the sun in Virgo and then coming into a square relationship with the sun. It will also be squaring Mercury at the beginning of the week, but then coming into a sextile relationship once Mercury moves into Scorpio at the very end of the week on Sunday. Saturn is in its own domicile, so it still has uh, access to all of its own resources. Jupiter this week is direct. So we have a, a direct Jupiter uh, at the 17th or the 18th degree of Capricorn, but at 17 Cap. It is still moving very slow because it just turned direct. So it is trying to gain some steam again as it moves forward. It is on the terms of Venus from 14 to 22 degrees, and it is in a condition called its fall, just like the sun is. So Jupiter is, is we've been dealing with this for a while, but it's kind of like Jupiter is remembering uh, all the, <laughs> the ability it had, all the power and strength it had um, in, in Sagittarius. Uh, but you could also think about it as its exaltation in Cancer, where it was able to grow and bring abundance onto the earth. But it's in a position now where it's all it's being given are the resources to really um, consolidate, to be able to grow, but, but through letting things go, through um, much more humble uh, growth patterns, which is not necessarily Jupiter's favorite thing. Jupiter likes things big, and it's being asked to do things in a little bit more uh, from a position of humility. So that is where we see Jupiter in its fall, a little bit of a depressed Jupiter. Doesn't mean you can't do things with it, which I'm learning and really appreciating from Bernadette Brady's course, uh, but, it, but it definitely is, uh, it, it's a little bit more challenging. You may avoid growth at this point. Um, this is one of the ways she described a planet in fall, avoiding doing some of the qualities uh, rather than where a planet in detriment is more like um, you have to work with others to, to get, get things done. All right. So Jupiter will be co-present with Saturn. It'll be squaring Mars, uh, making an overcoming square to Mars and Aries, trining the sun in Virgo, and making a square to the sun once it moves into Libra. It'll also be squaring uh, Mercury in, in Libra and then coming into a sextile relationship with Mercury and Scorpio, the same way that the aspects will be working out for Saturn since it's co-present. The host of Jupiter this week is Saturn retrograde in Capricorn. Mars. Mars is continuing its retrograde motion from 27, moving backwards to 25 degrees of Aries. Generally, I think planets are fairly slow when they're moving retrograde. It is in its domicile 
it has access to its own resources, but it's, you know, getting that limitation um, by Saturn and that retrograde motion in general. It'll be in the terms of Saturn from 25 to 30 degrees. It's receiving the overcoming square from Saturn and Jupiter and Capricorn, making an opposition once the sun moves into Libra. And, but it is, it is having a trine relationship with Venus. So Venus and Mars are having a positive conversation with one another right now. Trying, Venus is actually really trying to help with all of these things, trying to create union and create harmony in these difficult cardinal T-square situations we find ourselves in this week. You can see, you know, with Mercury and then the sun, we've got this very difficult kind of uh, situation where we're being pulled in a lot of different directions. So you, if you have planets at the final degrees of, uh, you know, Cancer, Capricorn, Libra, or Aries, you're probably feeling some heat right now and feeling some frustration. Um, I know I have my Mercury at 22 Cancer, and I've been just feeling a little bit overwhelmed with the scope of trying to enact new systems and trying to really decide what I can really handle on a day-to-day basis and what I want to incorporate into my daily life and the kind of offerings I can do. Because I know, I know myself, and I know that um, once I commit to something, I feel a lot of responsibility towards it, and I feel um, having a Taurus moon and um, a Leo ascendant, some fixed placements. When I, once I get started with something, it's very hard to stop, like a freight train. So I have to really consider um, my actions before I take them. That's one of the reasons why it takes me some time, because uh, I think about them, because I know that once I commit, I'm going to be in it, in it to win it, you know? Um, so that is, uh, that may be something those of you with cardinal placements right now may be considering, is if you're reviewing some of your sy- systemic uh, things that you are pouring your energy into, um, what is that going to look like? Can you sustain it? Will it burn you out? Uh, will it be a, a, a healthy outlet for your energy? Those are all some of the questions that we're being asked with these types of placements. Um, so yeah, Venus is helping though. Venus is really asking us to be authentic. That's what Venus is doing with that trying to Mars. It's saying, can we really be ourselves? And I've been asking myself that, who is the real Spencer when it comes to my astrology practice? I've bounced my ideas off a lot of different people and coming back to the realization that I'm a detailed person. I like analyzing things and uh, that's who I am. So that's what I'm going to have to do with these forecasts. I can't be the, the, um, I don't know, the more general, um, shorter form astrologer. That, that's just not who I am. I can try to consolidate all of this as much as I can, but um, if I'm true to myself, I'm going to find the audience that I resonate with, and there will be a section of the audience that will have to go find another astrologer that they resonate with if it's too much, and that's okay. Like, like I've said in the past, it's okay to be yourself. There is uh, a place for everyone and there's an audience for everyone. I really think that that is the, tr- the true um, way that we can embrace the diversity, especially even in a, oh, I don't know, like a fairly small community like, like astrology. There's, it's not a huge community. Um, a lot, most of the astrologers, they get to know one another through conferences and through social media and through classes. And everyone has a little bit something different to offer. Um, I've been really appreciating some of my fellow astrologers on Twitter, who who are doing some similar things with fixed stars, uh, I, I give a shout out to uh, an astrologer named Amaya Rourke, who I believe lives in Ireland, 
and my friend S.J. Anderson, who has been doing some great work. That both of them have been doing awesome work, especially on Twitter, and and they offer some things that are slightly different than what I offer here with Fixed Stars. And I just think that that diversity is really beautiful, and and I'm I'm embracing it wholeheartedly. Okay, so that's my long-winded way of saying Mars is getting some help from Venus. Uh, Venus itself is actually moving very fast this this week. It is uh, moving from 16 to 24 degrees, moving through the first, uh, I'm sorry, the second decan of Leo into the second, the third decan, where it is still peregrine in motion. It doesn't have any essential dignity. It is moving through the terms of Saturn from 11 to 18 degrees, and then the terms of Mercury from 18 to 24 degrees. It is, of course, making that uh, receiving that overcoming trine from Mars. Um, it is also making a sextile to Mercury in Libra, but then moving into a square relationship once Mercury moves into Scorpio. Uh, it will also be moving into a sextile with the Sun, who it is providing and stewarding resources for once that Sun moves into Libra. Uh, the host of um, Mercury, I'm sorry, the host of Venus, sorry, I'm tripping over myself here, the host of Venus this week is uh, is the sun. Oh, I'm doing a, a kind of an opposite relation. Oh, that's interesting. This is just something that's coming up that I didn't really kind of make the connection with in my brain while I was making the notes. Um, so in the beginning of the week, the host of Venus will be the sun, and it'll be in an aversion relationship to that. But what's going to happen is that the sun's going to move into Libra, and into a sextile, and we have this beautiful condition called mutual reception, where they are providing for one another. So Venus will be providing resources for the sun, and the sun will be providing resources for Venus, because they are in each other's domiciles. They're exchanging houses, so to speak. So it's like they're going on vacation, and they have an open line of communication, they like each other, and they are in a harmonious conversation, um, and it's a, that is a nice relationship. That is a nice exchange where those two planets are um, going to be functional because of their relationship with, the, with their hosts. Okay, let's move to Mercury. Mercury is going to be starting out the week in Libra, and this is really a very mercurial week. Uh, Mercury is going to be moving from 22 to 30 degrees of Libra, moving very fast. Um, it is going to conjoin the fixed star Spica at 24 degrees Libra, and also the fixed star Antares at 24 Libra. Those two fixed stars are very close together by projected ecliptical degree. So we'll talk about both of those this week. Um, it is going to be perfecting a square to uh, Pluto at 22 degrees. Uh, it is going to be perfecting a square to Saturn at 25 degrees and then a perfecting an opposition to Mars at 26 degrees. And then finally, on the 27th of September, it's going to be uh, moving into Scorpio. While Mercury is in the sign of Virgo, um, Virgo. <laughs> while Mercury is in the sign of Libra, it's going to be in the terms of Venus from 21 to 28 degrees, and then moving into the terms of Mars from 28 to 30 degrees. It will be making a square to uh, Saturn and Jupiter in Capricorn, and and then I've talked about the other op the other uh, perfections it's going to be making, but it will be opposing. Mars by whole sign, sextiling Venus by whole sign, and co-present with the sun when it moves into Libra. Its host, as I had stated before, was uh, Venus in Leo, which it has a sextile relationship to. Now, once Mercury moves into Scorpio, 
uh, there's a big shift. Uh, it's only going to move into the first degree or so of Scorpio this week, but it will be peregrine. Um, when Mercury was in Libra, it had triplicity rulership at the nighttime, which was kind of like the support of your community or your guild, as, the, as Bernadette Brady was describing the way that the medieval minds would think about it. You had like a group of people that were supporting you. You had like a, a masonry guild. You had like an artist's guild or a, an actor's guild or something like that. So you had your, your crew was helping you out. Um, but Mercury is going to lose that support when it moves into Scorpio. Uh, it will be on the terms of Mars from zero to, to seven degrees. Uh, it will then move into a sextile relationship with Saturn and Jupiter in Capricorn and a square relationship to Venus. Its host will then become Mars retrograding through Aries to which it is an aversion to. So we're, we're the condition of Mercury is, uh, is declining, I would say, once it moves into Scorpio. Um, yes, it's getting out of the cardinal meat grinder, I guess. So it's always kind of a mixed bag. But as far as this, so that's kind of like uh, accidental dignity, its relationship to other planets and what, what you know, what temples it's moving through. Um, but it will be decreasing its essential dignity, uh, you know, where it has like, you know, domicile, you know, triplicity, all of those things. All right, the moon this week is going to be waxing uh, from its crescent phase to the first quarter where it's going to square the sun at one degree of Capricorn and Libra. It begins, now this is a new technique, so bear with me. I'm not an expert on this. This was just a little tip that I got from my partner, um, where she was saying that the, the speed of the moon, and this is important for people who do like elections and magical elections and things like that, of which I am I have some familiarity with, but it is not my area of expertise, so I will plead some ignorance when it comes to that. But a little, um, I guess, hack that was told to her is that we have the lunar apogee here, which is also called Black Moon Lilith, all right? And that, if I am not mistaken, is where the moon is the uh, furthest away from the Earth. And at that point, it becomes very slow. Um, and when it is in opposition to that lunar apogee or black moon Lilith, it's moving very fast. So we start the, the week off with the moon opposing or kind of, you know, far away from that apogee point and it's moving fast. And then as it gets to the square point, it starts to slow down. So you can see when it gets to this square, it'll start to slow down and it'll get really slow when it gets very close to to Aries here. We're not going to make it to its slowest point, but I thought that was a cool little hack. And, and let me know in the comments if this is something you're familiar with, and maybe you've got some more um, experience with the, the science behind it or the application of it. Um, from my very elementary understanding, though, you want the moon to be fast if you're trying to bring something into being, if you're trying to elect something or do a magical type of election, uh, like with a fixed star election or something of that nature. A slow moon is, is something that um, probably will block manifestation. Um, remember, the moon is associated with bringing things into being or, or, or taking things out of being, if that's what you're trying to do. But uh, a slow moon is going to be a little bit more difficult for that type of practice. Okay, so if you're going to do some lunar stuff, you might want to do it in the, in the beginning of the week, maybe, maybe when the moon is in Sagittarius, when it's not in its fall or its exile. 
um, because the, the moon in Scorpio is in its fall. It will have some dignity in the second phase of, of Sagittarius. It will then move into its exile, where it does have some triplicity dignity, though, in the nighttime in Capricorn. And then it will have uh, some dignity by face in the third decan of Aquarius. All right. That's what I've got for the planetary condition report. I'm sorry if I sped through it a little bit. I'm trying to, to get through these a little quicker so that I don't repeat myself too much. We're going to move forward to Monday. And on Monday, I'm going to put the uh, sun closer to the ascendant here. So I hope that you're all having a productive uh, last part of Virgo season. I mean, yeah, it's just been a lot of grinding, grinding it out. Um, less, less paying attention to the news, <laughs> trying to take a break from that. Although I, what I will say is that the smoke from the wildfires in California have drifted all the way over to the Midwest, which is really concerning. We're seeing like a really, really um, orange sun at, in the evenings here which is shocking and very, um, very, uh, I don't know, like almost like a doomsday type of thing. Um, but I'm trying to respond to that by just, you know, doing, doing hard work and, and trying to pour my energy into my studies and into crafting things. And um, that's been healthy. That's been a way that I've helped, that has helped me stay focused and to stay centered. Um, one of the things I wanted to point out that we talked about last week is that Mercury is moving through the third decan of Libra, okay? And this is really, this is associated with the four of swords. And this is really what we're going to try to have to do with Mercury making all these contacts with all these planets this week. It's how do we keep our equilibrium? This is about how do we keep our minds centered as we're being pulled in a lot of different directions. That's really the key to this week. Uh, I know that, like, for instance, at the new moon last night or yesterday, I was very productive, but I was, I was, my mind was really churning. My, I had a contact in my chart with Mercury conjoining Pluto. So I was, you know, obsessing on things and fixating on little details of how I want to do my website and stuff like that. Um, but I woke up in the middle of the night and I just could not get to sleep uh, for like three hours because my mind was just churning through all this stuff. And that may be, you know, something that we're experiencing as a collective, as an overactive mind. But really, I think the antidote to this is uh, how do you become that um, weight in the middle of that gyroscope? Because Austin Coppett calls this decan the, the, the gyroscope, right? Or we've got all these little things spinning, but we've got this really balanced center. It's the eye of the hurricane type of energy. So I would really encourage you to find your um, peaceful center, your, your self-care techniques that help you to feel calm, even though there's chaos going on around you. Because we can't always control the external chaos that we're experiencing, but we can um, try to, to maintain our own peace. And that can make us, or that can allow us to make better decisions in the moment while we are dealing with any sorts of challenges that will arise during the course of our day. So I wanted to, to preface everything over the course of the week and contextualize that. And you can see with this four swords, this figure is resting. This figure is trying to find that inner peace. Um, and that is a, 
something that will serve us well. Okay, so on Monday, the 21st, we're going to have the moon starting off in Scorpio. Remember, the moon's in its fall. We may be feeling a little bit of a, a depression, maybe, uh, maybe mourning the, the, the forms that have passed out of our life uh, and uh, really trying to figure out what stays and what goes, which is part of this lunar cycle. I know that um, I've been coming to terms with the loss of some social communities that I was a part of, especially with uh, the sporting community that my daughter was a part of. There was a lot of socialization that went along with uh, swimming and things like that. And since we haven't been doing that, I've been missing that a little bit. Um, but yeah, that might be something where you are experiencing that the pain of that loss a little bit. And my advice with that is feel your feelings, you know, uh, mourn those losses. Uh, th there's some great catharsis to be had by letting some tears fall about the, the, the forms that are passing out of our life. This whole year has been a great letting go type of energy as we build towards that Jupiter-Saturn conjunction that happens in December. That's, I keep, I'm going to keep repeating this until it happens, <laughs> but this is, this is a new uh, set of societal expectations that we're moving towards. And we are just getting rid of a lot of the old systems that have been proven to have outlived their course. It doesn't mean that everything is bad or everything is terrible, although some of it is. Um, it just means that sometimes certain uh, ways of thinking, certain ways that we've arranged our agreements and our contracts with one another have outlived their life cycle. And we're going through that right now where we're, we're just being asked to make a change. And sometimes change is hard and change is about not only looking forward to the new, but taking the time to, to mourn and acknowledge and even celebrate the things that are passing out of being on some level and say, you know what, that was, that was good. I want to preserve this part, but I want to eliminate this other thing that is proven to be corrupt. Okay, so the moon will be sextiling Pluto at 22 degrees uh, of Scorpio and Capricorn in the very early morning hours. It will then sextile uh, Saturn retrograde at, at 7.50 a.m. at 25 degrees, and then make a sextile to the sun in Virgo at 2.12 p.m. And the, the final aspect the moon, or the final action the moon is going to take is it's going to move into Sagittarius at 3.30 p.m. This is a crescent phase for the moon. So it's a it's a mobilization of resources type of thing. And even though it's moving through uh, through Scorpio, we may be figuring out, all right, this has got to go so I can make a new start. And then you may, some hope might return in the afternoon. The big uh, non-lunar aspect of the day is a square between Mercury and Pluto. So again, Mercury is going to be going through this kind of cardinal gauntlet. And when Mercury is making this contract, or contact, contract, <laughs> yeah, it's making contracts right now too, negotiating them. But when it is making this contact with Pluto, you know, which is, which perfects at 121 in the morning, um, at 22 degrees of Libra and Capricorn, we are going to be seeing a challenge with getting obsessed with certain ideas. This is where, when I talked about that mental centeredness, is going to be put to the test by uh, an awareness of some of the corruption in our systems. So we may be, this may be something where we're obsessing over the news, and that tries to upset our equilibrium. 
We may have some depression or just destructive type of, you know, communication that may lead to us feeling uh, a bit of darkness. Um, you may be fixating on some of these deep underground issues, these deep, um, you know, I don't know. Sometimes we're seeing these um, corruptions coming out in the news. Uh, like, you know, there's, there could be destructive gossip or, or manipulative exchanges happening. I know one thing that's just popping into my mind that was, I don't know, pretty deplorable is an announcement from Trump about he wants to enact some kind of patriotic education in the school system. Um, this in response to another initiative that is ed trying to educate uh, our you know, people about um, equality, about the history of our country and its, its reckoning with, with slavery and, and the economic type of exploitation of, of people of color throughout its history, which I think is a really important conversation to have as we come up on uh, America's Pluto return, because the only way we're going to heal some of that divide, which is very real, is to acknowledge it. And we've got this backlash from Trump trying to, you know, maybe, I don't know what he's trying to do. It, it's, it feels like propaganda. And it feels like let's, ed, like, let's reinstate some of these denial type of politics in our schools again. Again, I'll remind you that he, the executive branch of the government does not have uh, the, the authority to make educational decisions in the school systems. So it's, it's more political posturing, I would say. Um, but it's frustrating because it seems like it's a doubling down on the old system. And this is going to come back to bite the people who are trying to, to enact the old ways of doing things. Because again, this is a time for change. And I, I've said this in the past, but I, I really think that Trump and what he represents is the last gasp of the old power structure. And sometimes when we're at the precipice of a step towards a new reality and a step towards the light, the darkness gets really loud. The, the corruption gets really loud. The old guard, it tries everything it possibly can to remain in power. And I think that, I don't think it's going to be successful because time, Saturn, is a great equalizer and is a great, um, it, it's just something that cannot be avoided. You can't, you know, stem the, the qualities of entropy forever. You can dress them up. Uh, like, for example, Trump is a 70-something-year-old man, and he can dye his face, he can comb over his hair, he can, you know, get plastic surgery on his face if he's done, done, has done that to, to try to create the appearance that he isn't aging. Um, he can pretend that he hasn't had strokes or whatever it is. I don't know that for sure. I don't want to, you know, rampantly speculate, and I'm not, you know, wishing anybody ill will, but I would say that my point in that is that there is efforts to deny the reality of the passage of time. And eventually, there, there is no stemming the passage of time. Eventually, we all fall to dust. And I, I think that all systems come to dust. All uh, hierarchies eventually crumble. All um, empires will eventually fall. And 
just trying to dress it up is like putting lipstick on a pig. You know, like it's like putting bronzer on a president or COVID something over. Um, it's it's just the surface, you know. Uh, so I, I feel like that's what's happening in America right now is we're really trying to to dress up uh, a system that just really wants to change and really needs to change. Um, and we may be really having an awareness of this with Mercury coming into contact with Pluto on Monday. Uh, Monday morning. All right, so let's move to, forward to Tuesday. And then the key with all this, keep, keep your center. Keep your center. Don't, don't get thrown off your game. There's always going to be things happening in the world around you, okay? Like this is just the reality of our, the spinning of the great wheel is there's always going to be changes happening. There's always going to be things that try to throw you off your balance. But again, that, that equilibrium comes from within. If you're basing your sense of self and your sense of center on external events, that's a recipe for always being unhappy. Um, you might be really happy when things are going your way, but you may you know, you know, gravitate towards extremes when things aren't. And that's a very difficult and stressful way to live. And this may be really something to focus on as we come into Libra uh, season and really have to find that, that center and that balanced nature. Okay, on Tuesday, uh, September the 22nd, a big day. Uh, the moon's going to start off in, in Sagittarius. We're going to be moving through our crescent phase. Um, the moon is going to make a trine to Venus at 11.33 p.m. That's our only lunar aspect from Sagittarius to Leo. And the big news of the day, though, is that the sun is moving into uh, Libra. This is our fall equinox. And this happens around 9.30 a.m., so I will move to that in my chart. We do have a couple uh, very important um, contacts with Mercury to, to uh, auspicious fixed stars on this day, too. So this is kind of cool that this is happening at the same time. You could see here at about 9.30, we have the sun moving into Libra. Okay, so let's break this down. Now, we are, this is the temple of Venus. Okay, she is the steward of this area of the zodiac, and she is in a harmonious sextile relationship. Okay, so Venus is providing good stuff for the sun. It's providing harmony. It's able to provide uh, you know, a softening, a, you know, it's able to provide some glamour. Uh, it's able to provide catharsis. I really, um, one of the ways I've been thinking about Venus a lot lately is my understanding of, you know, this is a concept I heard from Robert Schmidt, where he was talking about Venus's role as being able to uh, maintain the purity of the Greek dramas and, and this is, I think about this with um, Aphrodite's mirror. You can see that, that the symbol of Aphrodite is like a mirror, and it's the circle of spirit and the cross of matter coming together, but it is a mirror that is being held up to our world. And this is what artists do. And this is something that we may be experiencing with the sun moving into Libra, is the mirror is going to be held up to our reality. And we're going to have an awareness, we're going to have a, a light bulb moment with the sun shining its light on this area, on um, what's going on in our society, what is going on in our, uh, our systems of how we create fairness, um, what's going on with the, the other people in our life. 
remember, the sun is wants to command authority, and it wants to uh, say, "I am a point of consciousness within the sea of consciousness." It's it's a consolidation point, right? It is saying, "I am I am a central point of light," and it has its it is very much at home in Leo, where it says, "I'm I'm at the center." And there are things revolving around me. It has an exaltation in Aries where it says, I am this. Um, but when it gets into Libra, it's in its fall. It is, it is using that energy of the mirror to find identity and to find gnosis and to find knowing through a reflection, through, through being able to, uh, through ref reflected light. Now, another way you can think about this is, we have it, uh, Libra is the exaltation of Saturn, okay? So Saturn is associated with darkness. And I think one of the reasons we see this uh, concept is this is the point where we have equal day and equal night, and we start to see the night start to increase. And Saturn has dominion over darkness, he is the Lord of darkness. So he is increasing in light. His power increases. So his, he is starting to be in his exaltation. Okay. And I like to think about um, not only what a planet is, where, what its domicile ruler is, but what is its exaltation lord? How do we use this sun in Libra to its best um, ability? And it, it, we do it by creating harmony with the others that we are working with. We, we do it through, um, through Saturning up too, okay? Through being able to set healthy boundaries in our life, okay? So instead of just always doing things for others, we have to take our own needs into consideration and have a healthy balance between the give and the take, energy exchange. We have to define what we want in relationships. This is kind of, again, with healthy boundary setting. We're working towards equilibrium. Now, one of the concepts that I've read about in my, one of my favorite books, Austin Coppock's 36 Faces, is that uh, Saturn has the quality of, of nemesis. And nemesis is, is it's a, a word that we use differently in ancient thinking. Um, than, than now. Now we think of it as some kind of enemy or arch enemy. But nemesis in the ancient Greek way of thinking about it was, uh, a, a, I believe, a god or a goddess that res was responsible for restoring balance to the random distributions of fate, which we called 2K. Okay, so 2K was related to the moon and like this random distribution of, you know, things that we are really out of our control that aren't really our fault. Um, we could see this with Mars being negative distributions of fate and Venus being positive randomized distributions of fate. That these kind of things come to us through like either accidents or like good fortune that we may not have really earned. We are just, we attract it through Venus and we just kind of stumble upon it with Mars. And that goes along with those two planets being in the nocturnal sect, uh, the sect of the moon, the moon being related to 2K. Now with Saturn, Saturn is of the diurnal sect and it is related to Jupiter and to the sun. And Jupiter being some of the, uh, the merits that we receive through our own actions. Whereas Saturn is sort of about maybe some of the negative 
things that we have to come to terms with and that we have to reckon with, um, but maybe some through our own ignorance, okay? So there's two ways of thinking of Saturn. We can think of it as, you know, through the darkness, like the opposite of the sun, where if the sun is gnosis and the light bulb, Saturn is that like that ignorance, that not knowing, that darkness. But also it is a, it is a um, restorative type of energy too. So nemesis has the quality of saying, how do we um, stabilize that random distribution of fate through hard work, through acceptance of the necessity, that's another word associated with Saturn, the necessity of doing the things that we have to do to correct some of this misfortune. I think that Saturn is associated with some misfortune for sure. And I don't, the way I like to think about how we use these things though is like this. I don't think we can avoid some of the misfortune of Mars or of Saturn or things like that, just as we can't always avoid the, the good things that come to us through Venus and Jupiter. But it, it, it's, I think that when we think about the more positive way of these planets, of use, utilizing these planets, it is how do we react from a soul level to what these planets bring us? I don't think it's like we have to like be the planet. I think the planet is just giving us circumstance. And our reaction is we, when, we, when I talk about Saturning up, Saturn is going to present you with circumstances that will require you to mature, that will require you to let go of things, that will require you to do hard work that may not be fun, okay? But it, you, as a spirit soul, get to have agency to respond or not to that energy. I think that that's, that's something that's becoming more, more and more clear to me. It's, it's not that you're fated to have like terrible life circumstances or a terrible life if you have Saturn in a, in a debilitated position in your chart. But I will say that you probably will be brought some circumstances that will be very difficult, that will require some very hard work to work through. And that's your choice. That's where you have the ability to make that decision, whether you're going to do it or whether you're going to let it lead to depression, to hopelessness, to you know having your life crumble or things like that. I th I, th and that is a huge shift in consciousness from the beginning of my study of traditional astrology to now. Like I, I used to believe when I was doing more just like, I don't know, more, more, I was in more of a new age type of mindset when I first came to astrology, like kind of like you create your own reality kind of thing, the power of positive thinking, quantum physics, all of those things were where I really cut my teeth on, um, you know, kind of occult ideas. And then I had this thing where I went and I studied traditional astrology and it was like, oh man, there's all these things are faded and oh, do I, do I even have any control over this? And I got kind of depressed, and maybe some of you have gone through this, this maturation with your astro astrological practice, and I was like, oh, I don't have any control of my life. But that wasn't true, and it's now come full circle. And I see that while the events might be, uh, I might not be able to avoid all of the events of my life. I do have the choice of whether to respond to it or not, and what am I going to do? What is my soul? What is my spirit? What is my you know, the light of my, the fire that I have inside, how is it going to respond? 
there have been plenty of people who have had ill-dignified planets, Bernadette Brady being one of them. She has a bunch of things in exile. She has Mercury in exile, okay? She has Mercury in Pisces and Mars in Libra. And she's, you know, she's been able to craft an, an amazing career full of gifts to the astrological community. So she took some negative circumstances and did not let it uh, stop her and did not let it like, you know, defeat her. So I think that that's what I would suggest to all of you who are going through difficult times. If you have a difficult placement in your chart, whether through accidental or essential dignity, maybe you have a time Lord that's not in good shape or you have Saturn's really, you know, messing with you in a certain area of your life. You get to choose how you respond to those circumstances. Now you may have to respond in the way that the planet can allow. Okay. So if you have a Saturn thing you're going through, you got to respond like Saturn. You got to respond through patience. You got to respond through, you know, getting your shit together and growing up a little bit. You got to respond through, uh, you know, letting some things go through some endings. But if you've got like a Mars placement, wherever Mars is retrograding in your chart right now, you've got to respond through courage. You've got to respond through action. You've got to respond through severing and separating yourself from something that may no longer be serving you. Just like with the, 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 uh, the benefic planets, you get something with Jupiter, you know, to take full advantage of where Jupiter is in your chart. You've got to do something. You've got to bring things together. You've got to be a bridge. You know, you've got to use your uh, royal nature to, to, to take advantage of that opportunity that Jupiter is presenting. Whereas Venus is, you've got to allow it to happen. You've got to accept that, that abundance. You've got to open yourself up as a channel and receive. That is what Venus is asking you to do in that area of your chart. Okay, so with getting back to this fall equinox, um, we're going to gain vitality through balance. We're going to have an awareness of equality in our life or a lack thereof. When, when uh, the sun or any planet moves, begins to move through Libra, we get a, a jolt of awareness of what we are missing as far as uh, equilibrium. We may not feel balanced at first. We have to go through the journey of the sign to create that balance. So there may be a time where you feel like something's off, like one of the scales is tipped in a direction that isn't uh, you know, equal yet. But that's part of the work that you have to do when we're going through Libra season. Another story of Libra is about Mott. In the first decade, we see the Two of Swords. Here we see Mott, blindfold Lady Justice. We can also think of this as Astraea, Lady Justice, who holds those scales. Okay, and there was, there was an interesting story about Astraea. She was associated with, with Libra too, with the constellation Libra, uh, or I'm sorry, the constellation Virgo, which uh, we have processed back um, into here with Libra placements. And you can think of that as a, a couple things. The constellation Virgo, and let's go, go to it here as we move through our, our day, because I want to show you some fixed stars associated with uh, Mercury on this day too. So I'm going to go back over to my star chart. And here we see the equinox, September the 22nd. And one interesting thing I want to point out is that we see these, this red and this green line crossing. The green line is the ecliptic, the path of the sun. The red line is the celestial equator, the projection of the 
Earth's equator onto the sky. And when we have equinoxes, they cross, okay? And you can see there's this, this meeting of those two lines and those two kind of like, um, I don't know, um, I don't, imaginary lines, you know? Uh, so what we see is we have the constellation Virgo here. And this is the Virgin Mary. This is Demeter. This is Astraea, Lady Justice, right? And we can think of uh, uh, this in a couple different ways. Astraea was the, the, the goddess that got so disgusted with um, the, the material, physical reality that she just like forsaken it, forsook it. <laughs> I don't know what the past tense of that is. Uh, she, was, she rejected it, okay? She was like, this is no good. I reject this. Um, and we can see a similar story playing out with Demeter. But Demeter's story includes mourning over the loss of her daughter to the Persephone to the underworld for six months at a time. Um, the Virgin Mary had some uh, associations with its opposite, Pisces, with the, the divine child and having to be a caretaker for that divine child, um, as well as maybe some, some mourning over uh, potentially the awareness of the sacrifice that that child would have to go through. Um, so we see here, this, we can also think of this as Mat, and Mat was the, the, um, the goddess in Egyptian culture that weighed the heart, uh, which was everything that we brought with us into the afterlife against the weight of an ostrich feather. So it's like, were you able to shed uh, old karma? You know, it's like, were you able to, sh to do the, the work that you had to do uh, over the course of a lifetime? And, and are you bringing, um, if, if your weight was even off a little bit, you had to go back and, and reincarnate. <laughs> so it's kind of like, did you do the work that you had to do here on this material plane? The soul, the soul work that you had to do while you were incarnated. And that this is facing judgment. This is why we associate Libra with judges and judgment and things of that nature. So we may be judging uh, how we are working as a society uh, during this period of time. And you may be judging all of your efforts over the course of the last year. We also see Saturn being in its exaltation in Libra because it's a time to start letting go. We're harvesting things and now we're starting to consolidate. All of the sap in the trees is starting to slow down and, and it's going internal. It's that, it's that consolidation and entropy energy that is kind of going back into its own center. So this is where we really lean into Saturn. We don't lean into to solar things when we're in Libra season. We're not really, it's not about us and our individual consciousness. It's about the collective. It's about um, the uh, coming to terms with the, the death that is coming on the face of the earth as we move towards winter in the northern hemisphere. All right. So that's what we've got for the fall equinox here. Um, we may have difficulty commanding action due to some indecisiveness over weighing the weighing that needs to happen of both sides of an issue. So this is another reason why you see your Libra friends that, that may take their time responding to something or, or feel some indecision is it, there's a constant weighing of and a holding up of the mirror to whatever they're being asked to do and saying, is this uh, within my own best interest and the other person's best interest and things of that nature. Okay, so it is something where we are 
you know, really taking someone else into consideration, the, the reflected view. And that's not always a bad thing. Okay, that's not a bad thing. That can, that can really lead to some great um, partnerships that can lead to some, some beautiful harmonization between people. Um, it may feel frustrated. It may, there may be some frustration in crafting an individual identity, but it isn't impossible. Um, it just is going to, you know, I think my Libra friends, I would ask you, lean into your Saturn. Lean into the exaltation of Saturn with that sun there and how can you become more Saturnian through your own personal self-expression. I think that's where you're, the, the real, uh, the, the top is going to come, the, the climb towards the top is to become more Saturnian. And that's a new realization, like kind of thinking about exaltation in the way that Brady talks about it. Is, it's, a, it's a slow burn, it's a climb. Whereas the fall is like you're, you're falling from grace on some level. And this is really making a lot of sense to me as a person who has the moon in, in Taurus in its exaltation near the midheaven. If I want to be successful in my career, it's, it's consistent effort over time. That's what's going, it's not going to be like a one big like explosion. It's like, no, I'm going to build, build success by continually producing work, continually seeding the fertile ground. And, and that's, that's the approach that I'm taking at this point. And you can look at that with any exalted placements that you may have in your own chart. Okay. Let's talk about Mercury for a second because Mercury is uh, our planet of the week. And here we are going to see Mercury right here. Okay. Here's Mercury. And Mercury is going to be making contact with a fixed star called Spica. Now, Spica is good. Spica is a very positive fixed star. Okay. Uh, Spica is in the constellation Virgo, as we can see here. Very fortunate fixed star. It is called the wheat ear because you can see that the, uh, the Virgin Demeter or, or the Virgin Mary or Demeter or Astrea or whoever we want to consider this is holding this, this wheat ear here, this abundance, okay? And this is the concentration point of the harvesting process. So we are being able to extract the goodness from every, all the efforts that we put into our work over the course of a year, over the course of a lifetime, over, over the course of whatever increment of time we're working through. And we're getting rid of what no longer serves us. We're separating the chaff from the wheat and being able to store and give uh, the knowledge that we've gained as a gift, as a gift or receive it as a gift. You know, you can think of it as giving or receiving, but it is about being gifted. There are brilliant ideas that come up when we have spica contacts with mercury. This was also called the Stella Maris, the star of the sea. It was a protective beacon against uh, wild waves of desire. Okay, this was something where it was, um, you know, we have plenty of fixed stars in the sky that talk about desire, like Alphard is one, the, the prominent fixed star in, in constellation, uh, the Hydra that is at 27 degrees Leo. That's about like really desiring something. We may have some raw desire, but Spica is about protection against that, about really being able to refine that, that more animalistic raw desire into something useful and more humane. We're moving into the more humane portion of the year here where we're not just thinking about our own personal individual needs, but the needs of others as well. Okay, so that is spica. So you may be able to exchange valuable information, 
You may have a cornucopia of skills that, and, and of offerings that you want to put out there. You may be able to attract helpful patrons. Um, I'm thinking, I'm trying to think about if I can launch a Patreon around this period of time with, with Mercury on Spica. Mercury rules my second house. Um, I'm a little concerned about Mars being retrograde and opposing that uh, Mercury, but who knows? Maybe that would be a good time to do something like that because it would talk about attracting help. Uh, and what better time for like attracting patrons of the work that you do than, than Mercury on Spica. So if you're thinking about launching something where you will need assistance from other people, or if you're giving a gift, because a Patreon is not just receiving, it is giving perks. It's giving uh, early access to videos. Like it's giving, I'm, I'm actually in the midst of creating some flashcards, some learning tools from the Deccan post that I'm making and the Fixed Star post I'm making. I'm thinking about doing a monthly Q&A, uh, offering discounts. So it's, it's offering and receiving. There's a, an equal exchange of energy that is happening. I put out these forecasts for all of you each week as a, as, a, as a gift of energy, and then the Patreon would be an equal exchange. So you can see that we've got, um, that is some of the vibe I would think of Spica. So that's 24 degrees Libra. The other fixed star that is very close to this projected ecliptical degree is right here. This is Arcturus. And they're very close when we project it out. I've having, been having some interesting discussions about Perans or Perinatella, which talks about like a star being on an angle and that relationship um, versus projected ecliptical degree. And there's astrologers that do it both ways. And they are, are very successful. Bernadette Brady uses Perans a lot more. Um, my friend SJ has been talking about projected ecliptical degree uh, as we're, we're using the planets in the manner of projected ecliptical degree as well. Like the planets aren't exactly on the ecliptic. So I, I like his arguments with that too. Uh, at the moment, I'm using uh, projected ecliptical degree for how I deal with fixed stars, but I'm curious about learning more about Perans. It's just uh, my initial thought about it is it's very specific to a location and I have not yet learned the technique of how to do it in a more mundane way that will allow me to make it more universal. So that's the main reason why I'm gravitating towards this uh, technique right now. Um, but I reserve the right to change my mind in true Libra fashion. But let's talk about Arcturus. So Arcturus is part of this constellation called uh, Butes. I believe I'm saying that correctly, B-O-O-T-E-S or Butes. I don't, I don't know exactly what the, how to say it exactly. Um, but Butes is uh, the hunter that became a farmer. So this is a transition. It re he represents the transition. This is one of the oldest constellations in the sky. Arcturus is one of the first named stars. This represents the transition of uh, a nomadic culture, a hunter-gatherer society, into an agrarian society, into agriculture. Um, and he is the plowsman. You can see that he's got his hunting dogs here, and he's carrying... Uh, like a sickle, but also a spear for hunting. So that he's doing both. But this, uh, Butes is very close to Ursa Major, the great bear. And the great bear has gone through a number of different transitions. We've got the Big Dipper here, okay? And we, 
they considered this a great bear. So in some cultures, they consider uh, Butes the, the guardian of the bear, who is like chasing the bear around the celestial pole. But they also thought of this constellation as a plow. So we could see Butes like pushing the great plow around the celestial pole here. Okay, so a relationship between those two uh, constellations for sure. So this, could, this fixed star has been, always, has been associated with visionary shifts in consciousness, with being a pathfinder, um, with ingenuity, clever ideas, especially with its contact with Mercury in this case. So you may have something where you're really starting something new or you're taking some sort of leadership position within your community, where you're taming wild desire that might be more representative of a hunter-gatherer type of existence and turning it into something civil. This is, uh, I think... The thought that comes up is domestication. So we're learning to domesticate kind of the more wildness in, in ourselves with, with this Arcturus placement. And again, we call it the guardian of the bear. So that is something we're going to be working through over the course of this, uh, this week too. So we have this gift that we want to give, but we may also be giving it in a, a new way as a community leader. We have to think about both of these stars when we have planets that are pretty close to this projected ecliptical degree because they're both fairly bright. Okay, we've got a, I'm not sure, this is a, this is an apparent magnitude of one for Spica. Arcturus is super bright. It is you know, even brighter than Spica. It, it's very easy to see in the night sky. It's very red. And it's kind of in the, uh, <laughs> it's in like the area of like the, the groin of uh, of booty, so there's it's very much about like spreading the seed, okay, spreading seeds out into the world, and you can interpret that in whatever way that you want, <laughs> but it's very fertile, okay. There's there's fertility associated with it too. Okay, so let's go back to our uh, chart here, and we will move forward um, to Wednesday. So that's our equinox day. Lots going on. And I'll move the chart here. We'll put the sun back on the ascendant. And on Wednesday, September the 23rd, the moon starts off in Sagittarius and moves to Capricorn at the end of the day at 7.16 p.m. Eastern time. And we're moving from the crescent phase to the first quarter moon phase. The moon is going to be making a square to Neptune very early in the morning. It will then sextile Mercury right around those fixed stars uh, at 25 degrees of Sagittarius and Libra. So we're going to have a, a positive, maybe a positive, hopeful forward movement with some of the concepts I talked about with Arcturus and Spica. The moon will make a trine to retrograde Mars at 1.31 p.m. at 26 degrees of Sagittarius and Aries, and then move into Capricorn in the evening at 7.16 p.m. Um, we are experiencing the first quarter moon at about 9.54 p.m., all right? And we will break that down in the context of Mercury squaring Saturn. So that Mercury-Saturn square happens very early at about 7.37 a.m. in the morning, very close to that fixed star, Arcturus and Spica. Uh, so this is where your gifts, your, your forward movement, um, the pathfinding way that you're trying to initiate, uh, the equilibrium that you're trying to create within your life is going to meet some sort of wall. 
uh, some sort of sobering reality. And some, it, it may force you to slow down. It may force you to say, well, I have to be a little bit more patient with this. Um, there may be some system that you run into that is bigger than you that will make it a little bit more challenging to maintain that balance in your life. And this is where we're getting, we're really getting into the heart of this Mars, Mercury, Saturn square, this T square. Yeah. And, and by the end of the day, the, the moon's going to be activating this T-square by going through the sign of Capricorn. So these next few days, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, when we see a moon move through Capricorn here, um, we're going to really have to, to put our um, patience caps on and really start to think about our own needs Mars and Aries, the needs of uh, the people in our community and the people in our life, our partners, our helpers, Mercury on Spica and in Libra, and the systems that we are a part of, Saturn, Jupiter, Pluto in Capricorn, and especially like the, the power structures since we're dealing with the third decan of, of Capricorn here. And it's going to be a, a, a difficult dance. I'm, I'm not going to lie to you. This may be a, a point where you're really getting uh, frustrated with, with uh, this Saturn-Mars square in particular because we're building towards um, the perfection of this next Tuesday. So the key, though, key, and, you know, you've got Venus trying to help. The Venus, the, the Venus help, the sextile, is this. Just got to be yourself, okay? Uh, Venus is attracting positive things through you shining your own light. You, and it, you don't have to be overly aggressive about it. This, remember what I said with Venus. Venus is just allowing yourself to be you. You don't have to like shout it from the rooftop. You don't have to go to war over it. You just need to like, you know, say, you know what? I'm going to attract the right people for me. If I'm authentic in my expression, I don't have to try to be somebody else. I don't have to try to be a different person. And I think that's really the key to navigating this T-square is really getting in touch with who you are authentically. And, you know, you don't have to necessarily be aggressive about defending it either. As Venus moves into the third decan of, of Leo, you may feel like you have to defend your right to be. but you will automatically be defending and, and se separating from that that doesn't support you by being yourself. That's the ultimate severing that happens is the people that aren't supportive of us, when we're actually being ourselves, they're just going to fade out of our life, you know, because we're not in alignment with them. We're not in an energetic alignment with those people anymore. And you know what? That's okay. And you, you and them will survive. And you'll be happier for it because when you're in an energetic alignment with someone that is constantly maybe tearing you down or, or you're always having conflicts, yes, there is a learning experience from it, but sometimes the learning experience is that you just don't have to put up with it forever. And this may be happening in our collective too is, you know, by just being ourselves in society, you know, naturally we will be attracted to certain people that will be supportive. And we will move away from people that we aren't in alignment with. So something to consider with this T-square energy. 
Now, uh, when we talk about the, uh, well, before I move on, just the other thing to consider is we may have some depression about taking on the weight of the world. This is one of my other notes I wrote down is we may be attempting some diplomacy with some of the concretized old systems with Mercury and Libra, but we're running into the, the, the red tape, you know what I'm saying? The bureaucratic, you know, type of stuff that, that, you know, is, is tedious and there's a pain in the butt. And this may be a time too, where you're seeing some things come up in the news and you get depressed, like maybe take a time out from the news every once in a while. That's okay too. Um, now with the sun there, it's, that is going to start to speak louder. I don't mean that you ignore it indefinitely. I do think as we move from the sun to, from Virgo to Libra, uh, you are going to have to have more social interaction. You've, you've done a lot of the hard work in, in Virgo season, and now it's time to, you know, present it to the world. And, and the thing that you may get is some feedback. And that's okay. You know, like, again, if you're being authentic, some of the feedback may be useful. And some of the feedback may, you may learn to recognize which type of feedback is helpful and which is just somebody just not being in alignment with your vibration, okay? And it's important to kind of, you know, think and meditate on which is which, you know? It, don't get overly defensive right away if someone gives you some, some negative feedback. There may be some kernels of truth and some adjusting that you need to make with the scales. But recognize if it's constructive, it's, if it's something you can act on, or if it's something where people are just expressing their dislike of something. And in that kind of feedback, you can say, well, we agree to disagree. You can go your way and I go mine. You know, it's like, like Fleetwood Mac, you know, you can go your own way, right? <laughs> that's, my, that's my bad Lindsey Buckingham impression. <laughs> but, but it's true. It's true. It's, uh, he's, here's a nice synchronicity. Lindsey Buckingham is a Libra. So, <laughs> so um, he and his Gemini partner eventually went their, their separate ways. And that song was a reflection of that, that type of uh, experience. All right, let's talk just briefly more about this first quarter square with the moon. Now, when we get to the first quarter square, let's move forward to the evening here because you'll be able to see it a little bit better. When we get closer to this first quarter moon, right, we see it here around nine, nine-ish. So when it starts, 9.45, 9.54, something like that. Um... First quarter moons are the point in the lunar cycle where we're coming to like a crisis point. Uh, and it's a material crisis point. We're trying to birth something. We got, we got a new divine assignment. We got some kind of awareness of something that we want to bring into being. Remember, we had a, when the two lights come together at the new moon, we have um, the spirit, the sun, the awareness, the light bulb, the aha moment coming into union with the moon that is bringing things into existence. So it's like we're fusing the divine light into form. That's what new moons are all about. And we, we, the moon is traveling through the cycle, trying to go through different challenges to bring it to fruition at the full moon, to bring it, to bring the fruit to maturity. Okay. And the point in the, the, the first quarter moon cycle is like, challenges through the crescent moon we're gathering resources we're gathering all of the things that we need to really like seed to, to fertilize the plant or whatever and at the first quarter moon we have this kind of this struggle for growth and we're getting some feedback from our environment we've got to really push through some challenges 
And in this particular, this, these two sets of decans, we've got first quarter Capricorn, first quarter Libra. So Capricorn one is associated with the two of pentacles where we're juggling where, where exactly we want to put down roots. And then first quarter Libra, we've talked about with our equinox, where we're really kind of becoming aware of, uh, you know, fairness, justice, things like that. So you may be struggling at this point in this first quarter lunar phase about what do you really want to build? Is it just, is it going to be, are you going to be able to maintain your equilibrium while you do it? Uh, is it something that you are going to be able to sustain over the long term? Because with this Capricorn moon, this is a question I know I've been asking myself is if I expand my offerings through like new readings, through Patreon, through perks that I would be able to deliver, am I going to be able to follow through on it? And this is, these are good questions to ask yourself before you expand anything that you do. Can, can you maintain that as a part of your life? Because when you are asking for an energy exchange, you should think about whether you can fulfill the terms of the contract. So we're, we're, we're experiencing new contractual agreements through this, this solar Libra time. And you really should consider before you sign, you got to read all the fine print. You got to read all the details. This may not be the, the, the exact time to, to actually sign the contract. This may be a time to really evaluate whether the contract is uh, beneficial, okay? Or whether you can fulfill your end of the agreement or others can as well. So that's what I think what we're seeing with this first quarter moon here. Um, yeah, and the moon's going to be in its exile. So there's some challenges to manifesting. You may have some community support at this time, though, with the moon moving through its triplicity. You may have like, you know, you may get in touch with your people, with your guild, okay? Um, this is asking us what, what are we going to, um, who are we going to give our, our allegiances to, right? Okay. Let me move forward. Hope that you're all doing well out there. I really enjoy these doing these forecasts for you, and I'm really happy that you're here with me. Um, it's been a dream of mine to be a professional astrologer, I think, for a long time, and, and uh, realizing that you become this just by doing it over and over again, continuing to study, you know, really like uh, taking your craft seriously and you, there's never really a moment where you've arrived. It's just consistent effort over time. And I will always be an eternal student. I'll always have some doubts about my knowledge base, but uh, I think that part of my career is going to be about just sharing my process with you and, and going on the journey with you. And uh, it's going to be fun. My, my daughter asked me the other day, are you just going to be doing this the rest of your life? And I was like, yeah, I think so. <laughs> I think I have. <laughs> Which I, on one hand was cool and on another hand it was kind of daunting because astrology is, you know, it can really be a grind because it never stops. It's always happening. We're always analyzing. We're always breaking it down. We're always creating, you know, new forecasts and things like that. And it's like, man, when do you take a break? When do astrologers take a break with this? Because uh, there's always a feeling that you want to help people navigate those waters. So we'll see how that, those are the questions I'm asking myself as I engage with this career is how do you maintain an equilibrium between uh, the work that you do and time off and stuff like that. So, you know, think about if you 
if you uh if i don't do a forecast for one particular week every like i don't know four months or so how if uh, if you'll be able to handle that <laughs> like not that i'm indispensable or anything but i think that's just the question i'm asking myself maybe i'll have to double up one week and take a week off and just completely disconnect from it okay let's move forward to thursday the 24th um, on Thursday, September the 24th, the moon is going to be starting off in Capricorn. We're going to be continuing that first quarter challenging phase where we're really trying to, you know, push through and bring something to fruition. The moon's going to be trining uh, retrograde uh, Uranus at 1.20 p.m. from 10 degrees cap to 10 degrees of Taurus. And the big, uh, the big stuff that we're going through on this day, in addition to Venus moving into the third decan of Leo that I will break down here in a second is Mercury is going to be again Mercury the star of the show this week is Mercury is going to be making a challenging opposition a Saturnian type of opposition to Mars. Now this is where we may be negotiating. Okay. I put Saturn there because oppositions I've, I've been taught are of the nature of Saturn. And they're like brick walls where we have having to create balance. We're having to, to, remember I talked about that quality of nemesis, bringing things back into equilibrium. It doesn't mean that we have to like, you know, always have to completely get to equality with this, but we do have to be able, we're not going to solve an opposition. This is something that I'm, I'm really enjoying my uh, astrology teacher, Chuta Bhavadas, talk about is we don't have to solve it. We just have to like um, carry the awareness of the duality with us. I think if I'm hopefully I'm not butchering his understanding of it, but I think what he is saying is that you know what sometimes we are going to have to just kind of be content that there are these competing forces in our life and be able to hold them simultaneously. So you may be feeling a need to like put new ideas out there to like create harmony, to sweet talk your way through a situation. But there may be another part of you that is, you know, having to fight for what you believe in or what you, your own needs uh, with Mars moving through Aries and, you know, being able to have the courage to put yourself out there. You may be coming to the point where you, you are asking for a lot of feedback and you're saying, well, is this, I, I know I'm like, again, I'm always bringing this back to my stupid Leo self, <laughs> but, but I, it's, I can't help but contextualize it in my own life because I'm, I'm the one living it. Um, I'm asking a lot of people in my community, Mercury and Libra for feedback. I'm holding up the mirror to my community and saying, what do you think about this? What do you think about these offerings? What do you think about this type of thing? Uh, this type of class, you know, and eventually, you know, I'll have to take account of all that feedback and then move forward Mars, which is action, take action based on some of my own understanding as well. So it'll be, a, it'll be both. It'll be understanding the awareness of the feedback, Mercury in Libra, and taking action based on uh, something that is individually supportive, Mars in Aries. And again, this is in context of having to play by Saturn's rules having to be patient, having to maybe, you know, work through the bureaucracy of it, having to, you know, this is why I'm thinking like, I'm not exactly sure if this will, all of this will actually launch until Mars goes direct and the separation happens from Mars and Saturn. So, you know, again, I, I really do think that 
some things are able to be launched during this time, but you may actually find some more success if you wait until mid-November when everything is kind of starting to uh, move forward again. Again, we'll, we'll have Mercury going retrograde around that time. So that's, there's always going to be something is what I will say. There's always, conditions are never going to be perfect. And you can bake some things into your election chart uh, and try to do your best. But again, you will always be able to respond to the circumstances that that particular moment brings up. And they may be more, more of a pain in the ass or they may be more smoothly flowing. So if you start something under this grand cardinal cross, there may be a lot of challenges that, that go along with it. Um, you know, here's an example. Just, just to give you insight into how these things work. Mercury, I have Mercury at 22 Cancer. And this isn't my rising sign. This is the chart of the moment. But Mercury at 22 Cancer rules my second house of money and resources and also the 11th house of groups and people that support your, you and your career or people that support you and your job. And it is forming a giant cardinal cross with all of these planets. So you can see how I'm torn in all these different directions as far as like, what do I offer? Will I be able to maintain it uh, over time? What does my daily schedule look like? Do I believe in what I'm doing here? Ninth house, Mars is in the ninth house. Okay, so I've got this giant, you know, will it be my undoing? <laughs> like with Mercury here. So I've got this like Caden house cardinal cross going on. So if you have late degree Cancerian planets, you'll be in the middle of this uh, cardinal cross where you're really being pulled in a lot of different directions. But any planet that you have in cardinal signs is going to be thrown into this mix. All right. Let me talk a little bit about uh, Venus in Cancer. Oops, in Cancer. Come on, brain. Venus in Leo. Well, I wasn't technically wrong because I think that Venus. Nope. Nope. I, I was. No, no, I, 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 my chain of thought was on uh, correct there. When, when Venus is moving through the, const, the, the uh, constellation or the, the zodiac sign, sorry, the zodiac sign of Leo, it is moving through the constellation of Cancer. So <laughs> anyway, sometimes I'm wrong. <laughs> like I had to be able to admit it. So let's talk about Venus and Leo. Venus and Leo 3. Okay, Venus in Leo 3 is represented by the seven of wands. And in it, we see a figure holding a staff or a wand. And he's like defending his turf. He's defending his hill. He's defending his position. What he's defending is his hard-won authenticity. Venus will be hosted by the sun in this particular decan, as it is in all of Leo. And it's sextile to its host still. This is a double Mars-ruled face. Um, Book T and the Book of Toth call this Deccan Valor, uh, and Austin Coppock calls it the Banner. The fixed star that we're going to be dealing with uh, that is prominent is Alfard, which is the, the, the heart of the, the sea serpent or the Hydra, right? Um, where we have many different desires that keep cropping up, where Hercules had this, this task of having to defeat all of these wild animal desires. Okay, that was Hercules' mission. It was the Hercules is a figure 
where we're taking like Orion, which was the hunter that just killed everything in its sight. And he has the foot in the river Uridani. So let me go to the star chart here to show you. Okay. So if we look here and we go forward a little bit in time. So we're looking at Hydra. Here's Hydra. Okay. Alfard is right here. And, you know, we're going to see Venus conjoining by projected ecliptical degree. Eventually, it's not happening yet, but it's moving into that area of the zodiac where we're dealing with that. And we have Hercules. I'm going to move back in time here. I'm going to show you. Hopefully this will let me do this here. Okay. So here we see uh, Orion. Here's Orion, very close to the, in between the, the, the stars of Gemini and Taurus. And he's got one foot in this river. This is Rigel. Okay, this is the Uridanis right here, which is this big sacred river. It's a, a very long constellation that ends up, now I'm going to hide the horizon. And it goes down, you know, eventually, and it ends up like in Sagittarius or around the area of Sagittarius where, where I believe we're going to see Hercules. Yeah, the Uridanus, it fl it's flowing, it's the river, and eventually we get to this area of the zodiac where we see Hercules right here. And Hercules is holding... Uh, like a grapevine or like some fruit or something like that, and he's kneeling. And the, the, the brightest fixed star is called Ras Algethi in Hercules here. Okay, so it's in the head, whereas there is no bright fixed star in the head of Orion. So we're moving from these bright fixed stars in like the arms of battle and the raw, like, you know, kind of, you know, action-orientated things to more a more refined, it's sort of similar to Bootis where, and you can see that they're actually fairly close together, where Hercules is, is taming the animal nature, and he's kneeling, he's becoming humble. It's the lesson of humility. It's the journey of humility, okay? So with this, uh, with Venus, sorry, I'll try to get, woo, topsy-turvy. Um, with Venus here, in this third decan, we may be having to deal with some of our more base desires, Okay, we may be having to deal with like, you know, feeling, you know, like we want things, okay, and, we, and that we desire stuff, and uh, we have to conquer that. But we're also really trying to figure out how we become authentic and how we defend this authenticity we've been working so hard to enact in the first few decades of this sign. Um, Venus is associated with cleansing, uh, so you may find catharsis or cleansing in being able to stand your ground and defend your, your right to be. Now, with Venus, you may just attract support um, by just, you know, continuing that journey of authenticity, okay? And by holding up a mirror to, like, heroic efforts, right? This, is, this may be where we're attracted to, like, stories of heroes, where we're glamorizing the, the ability to defend ourselves or martial courage. It's a double Mars rule Deccan. So Venus glamorizes things. It, it, it softens, it harmonizes, 
It brings things together. So you're finding catharsis through your courage. Uh, you're finding glamorization by just being your authentic self and, you know, you know, being your, your best heroic self. Uh, this again, this is the, the time where I think you're going to find the most harmony in your relationships by letting go of the ones that aren't supportive. Okay. I think that's really how you create harmony is saying, you know what, you know, I'm me, you're you, and you are free to do your own thing and I'm free to do mine. And, and we don't have to really necessarily be in competition. You know, we don't, we don't have to fight about it. A lot of the, the, the people that exude the most heroic, courageous qualities, like think about, I'm going to go back to um, uh, my, my man, uh, Chadwick Bozeman, who just recently passed, King T'Challa from Black Panther. You know, he had this quiet confidence about him. He was a king. And this is the, 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 the sign of the king, the royalty of Leo. And, and a person who has strong Leo energy that is really well balanced isn't like trying to prove how great they are all the time. They just have this quiet dignity about him. And that, that's what King T'Challa had. He had this quiet dignity about him. He was very heroic, but he wasn't really trying to prove it to anybody, maybe to his ancestors, you know, but everybody's trying to prove stuff to their ancestors or to their, to their father, you know, or their mother or whatever. But he, but he really, you know, he had this quiet confidence about him where he just was. And he said, you know what, I, I'm the king and I'm going to, he, he had to defend his throne against the challenger. I think this is another thing where we saw uh, Eric Killmonger trying to usurp his position, but he was eventually able to defend that position and maintain his, his royal sense of self, his, his position. That's another way that we may be you know, experiencing this energy. So I, I, again, you don't have to do anything other than just be true to yourself. And that can be difficult. That, that takes a lot of inner fortitude. Um, but, but allow it to come to you is what my main advice with this particular position is. All right, let's go move forward again and move back to our chart. And we're going to go to Friday. We're going to look at Friday the 25th. Now, on Friday, September the 25th, Moon continues its journey through Capricorn. And now we're going to see some some real some difficult contacts with uh, with the moon. Um, this day, I would say, is probably one of the more challenging ones of the week, because the moon is going to be activating all of the planets that are involved in that cardinal cross. So we start off with the moon making contact with Jupiter at three eleven a.m. So we may be feeling you know, pretty good moving through the late Thursday hours into Friday, but be careful that you don't get overly ambitious late Thursday, early Friday. That's the danger of this fall in Jupiter is we aren't able to grow the way that we want to. It's in a compromised way. Um, and you may get a reality check if you try to do too much. The moon will then sextile Neptune at 6 a.m. And then it conjoins Pluto at 22 degrees at 12.09 p.m. So something, some corruption is exposed. And uh, again, I like the way that uh, thinking about fixed stars where, you know, these, these planets, these outer planets, I'm starting to think about them more in context of like a fixed star where the conjunctions and the oppositions really activate them. The jury's out on the squares and the trines. 
Um, I'm starting to focus a little bit less on those aspects, especially because those planets don't have um, don't have much light. I know that Uranus is visible every once in a while, but if we're, we're using the doctrine of light, it's very difficult to see these things. And aspect doctrine is, is based on light um, and visibility and those planets being able to see one another. But I will say that when a planet conjoins something, uh, that I think there's an emphasis to it. So we are going to have an emphasis on this plutonic energy with the moon conjoining at 12 9 p.m. So things may bubble up from the, the underworld that need to be dealt with. Uh, at 5.25 p.m., the moon's going to conjoin Saturn at 25 degrees of Capricorn. And then later on in the evening, it's going to square Mars at 26 Capricorn and 26 Aries. And then even further on, it's going to square uh, Mercury. So it's just going to be lighting up this, this whole cardinal T-square throughout the entire day. So don't be surprised if you feel slightly overwhelmed on Friday, if just there's a lot of things coming at you all at once. Again, it's important to keep your, maintain your center. Um, remember, everything doesn't have to happen all at once. Um, Saturn is in the, the strongest position, I would say, of all of these planets, making the overcoming square to Mars. Um, it is important to use all of your uh, verbal skills to try to craft agreement. Um, one of my favorite Twitter astrologers, I don't know if I can call him a Twitter astrologer, he's doing some YouTube stuff too, you should check him out. His name's S.J. Anderson. He's a really cool, really cool person, really, really smart. Um, him and Amaya Rourke are my two favorite Twitter people right now. And, my, and uh, Palace, uh, Palace is doing some really cool stuff on Twitter too. And, and uh, there's a number of people. Like Again, we just have an embarrassment of riches of talented people sharing their gifts on the interwebs. Um, but he was talking about Mercury in Libra as that spoonful of sugar. And I posted a, a, a response to it with a gif of like, you know, Julie Andrews as um, Mary Poppins, you know, in that song. And that's really the key, I think, to a lot of this is a spoonful of sugar helps the medicine go down, right? And it, that may be what we're asked, being asked to do is really just soften the blow on a lot of these things and communicate uh, from a position of social grace. And we, we don't have to give up our boundaries and we don't have to give up our, our, our personal desires, but we have to communicate it in a way that people can receive it. And if we're just like fighting with one another, that's not going to be able to create consensus. We've got to be able to hold all of these opposites and squares uh, to be able to to come into a, agreement, and I think that Mercury and Venus hold the key. Um, they they hold the key, and everything filters back to Saturn and that patience. So if we're able to simultaneously use all of those energies, we're gonna we're gonna come out, uh, I think, um, in a much better position, uh, and respond to this energy from our spirit, from the light of our the you know, fire, the flame of our hearts. Uh, and be able to create, you know, some sort of um, successful outcome, I think. All right. Um, yeah, let's move forward to the weekend. Now, again, we're just building towards that square. I'm going to repeat that. We're building towards that Saturn-Mars square, the height of frustration. And then it starts to kind of alleviate. Okay, we're almost done. Got a few things to do on the weekend here, and then we'll we'll move move forward. If my notes will cooperate, please notes cooperate. 
I'm always changing the, the page and trying to set things up so I can see them out of the corner of my eye. And sometimes it, want, it doesn't want to stand still, like right now, but there we go. Okay. On Saturday, September the 26th, we're going to get some relief from that Capricorn uh, moon and all the activation of all those cardinal placements as, it, as the moon moves into uh, Aquarius at about 2.07 in the a.m., it's very early in the morning. It still, does con to, it still does continue our first quarter phase, according to like authors like Dane Rudyard, is what we're, I think we're basing a lot of that on, the eightfold moon cycle that Demetra George has also spoken of as well. But we do move out of uh, the, the square between the lights, the disharmony between the lights, and move into a harmonious relationship with this trine. And that's the first aspect of our day, is this trine between the moon and the sun, so some relief from the pressure we felt of trying to, to uh, manifest the, the light of our minds and the light of our spirit in a material form. Uh, and we may be getting some, some momentum with that as the moon moves into the, the air sign of Aquarius. Uh, it will then make a square to Uranus at nine degrees of Taurus. And I did want to talk a little bit about Taurus uh, and Uranus because what we are going to be seeing on this day is movement of retrograde Uranus here at about 1.30, 2 o'clock in the afternoon, back into the first decan. So there's going to be a little bit of a shift of emphasis with Uranian types of things, and we're going to be moving from the Six of Pentacles type of experience, which was the second decan of Taurus, where we saw the distribution of wealth and like the distribution of like resources. And throughout that time period, we've had all these arguments about, you know, stimulus packages and relief packages and things like that. And then we're moving back into this five of pentacles type of experience where we saw two figures that were kind of destitute. One was injured and they were poor uh, outside of a stained glass window of a church. And either they're going to the church or going away from it. And, you know, they're falling on hard times. And I remember back when Uranus was in this particular decan, I, I believe this was a period of time where we were feeling some shortages, some consciousness of lack, some worry about not having enough. If you remember at the beginning of the year, uh, we were seeing some runs on toilet paper. <laughs> and we were seeing like... People just just completely scavenging and ra ravaging uh, the um, grocery stores and things like that and hoarding and because and, they were afraid that they weren't going to have enough. And I have a feeling that some of that energy might be coming back as, as Uranus moves into this decan of Taurus where we may be starting to get some worry about who has what. Um, and I don't know what's going to trigger that necessarily. I know that uh, one thing that I think is coming up that's on my mind is seeing a lot of friends in, on the West Coast with, you know, all of their homes burning down. A lot of them are like, you know, screw this. This is the second year of these wildfires being completely out of control. I want to move. So there may be some questions about, do you, you know, where the heck do you want to live? And, you know, like if, if the earth is going to continue to to hurdle towards this uh, unsustainable you know, more volatile type of, you know, environmental change, 
where where is a safe place you know like climate refugees type of things um, maybe there's something that happens in the collective with this election cycle that makes another run on like resources i mean we still have a jupiter pluto conjunction to go in um in, a, in november and coronavirus is still around i just i want to point that out a lot of people have like uh what, what do i want to call it discipline fatigue i would say is where we're at uh we, we've been like we've worked so hard over this summer it's been six months shouldn't we be able to do what we you know normally do now no <laughs> no it's it's not really that much better um, you still have to recognize that people are dying every day and there's new, new cases every day. And if you're going about your business, you're putting yourself and other people in danger. And uh, it, is, it is difficult, especially when it's something that we can't see immediately. Human beings have difficulty accepting a reality that isn't, um, isn't visible. And that's where our faith comes in. And, and Jupiter is making having faith difficult right now because that's the planet of faith and being able to accept things that we can't really see. We, we, we're only accepting things on faith that we can see in our reality right now, which is tough. Um, but we may see some more spikes going on that maybe, you know, give us a run on resources. We may have, you know, some conflict that gets exacerbated as we get closer to the election that makes a run on resources that gives us some some challenging feelings about lack and and maybe not having enough i don't know there, there's a lot of different ways it could play out but uranus is going to be asking us again to you know really take stock of our stuff and uh moving back into that decadent may be rooted in some fear so be careful that you don't overreact i know that when all this was going down like yeah, we stocked up and it's important to like have your emergency supplies. But again, you know, you don't have to hoard. And if there is some sort of run on those things, you, you're going to be asked to leave enough for your community. And, you know, there's only so many rolls of toilet paper that you can go through in a few months. You know, I know. That's been proven out. Sometimes it's not as bad as it seems. Um, that's another thing to keep in mind. Um, so I wanted to talk about that with Saturday as we're, we're looking at that particular deck in here happening. Um, let's move forward to Sunday and wrap our up, up, wrap, wrapper upper, <laughs> wrap them up, wrap them up, wrap up the weekly. I have no idea how long we've gone on here, but I think that we're, hopefully we're coming in on, on a decent amount of time. On Sunday, uh, September the 27th, the moon is going to be in Aquarius. Uh, it should be, you know, over the course of the day, it'll gain a little bit of dignity by face when it moves into the third decade of Aquarius. We'll be moving from the first quarter phase into the gibbous phase. So again, moving out of that like challenging position and continuing that, that, uh, that harmony of the lights. The big thing on Sat and Sunday is we don't actually have any aspects that are perfecting, but we do have one planetary ingress and you can see it right here. Mercury is going to move out of Libra and move into the first decan of Scorpio. And this decan is associated uh, with, um, it is a double Mars ruled face, just like we have with the final decan of, of Leo. And it's associated with the five of cups in the tarot. The book T calls this loss and pleasure. Book of Toth calls it disappointment. 
Austin Kopic uh, named it a jawbone when it because it talks about desires. There aren't any particular fixed stars or that that Brady makes uh, that that Brady says have importance in this particular decade. Although there are other fixed stars that we could talk about, um, I've been kind of sticking to Brady's like sixty-four prominent fixed stars so that I don't drive myself crazy trying to like make a post about 200 of them <laughs> like, uh, but let's talk about what we what we have here we have a figure who is in a black cloak who is is staring at three spilled cups and behind him there are two cups that are still standing and we have a bridge uh that is is, is um the two cups are pointing towards a bridge across a river towards a castle of fulfillment. So there is some mourning associated with this decan, with this card. It's, it may be, we may be mourning the loss of certain desires that we could not fulfill. Um, we may be, um, you know, having some thoughts, some negative thoughts about, you know, really, this may be this time where we're really starting to feel the weight of, of the changes. Uh, again, I talked about that with the moon moving through Scorpio earlier in the week, but with Mercury moving through there, there may be, you know, some, oh, it may be weighing really heavily on our minds and on, on our communications as far as like what we've lost. I know that, um, yeah, my, my uh, if I just talk about my, my daughter in sports, like, uh, a lot of these pools are going back to reopening, and um, I can't justify it. I can't. I can't justify sending her back into any type of danger like that. I, I, I feel like it's uh, still not safe, and um, it's. It is a, a process that I think we're all, as a family, coming to terms with because we did find a lot of joy and meaning in being part of a, a sporting team. And it is a real shame because she's losing out on a, you know, some, some important memories and things like that. It doesn't mean that this will be the choice that we'll make as a family forever, but it is, I think that just with all the craziness going on in the fall, I just, I, I, we don't feel comfortable as a family, you know, going back to all of the same things that we did. I just think there's too many things up in the air. Um, there's too many risks involved from our point of view. And there's some sadness in that. And that may be what we're seeing with this Mercury. You know, we're mourning the loss of these three cups. But I think the key with this decking is a shift in perspective. Because there's a lot of good things that have come out of this too, even though we're, we've lost some things. Um, I think that my daughter's really been able to focus on her schoolwork. I think that she has found a renewed sense of community with some of like the after-school programs that she's been a part of. She's part of the, uh, I'm really proud of her. She's doing some cool stuff. She's um, in a club called Gay Straight Alliance where they create uh, sort of like um, communications between the gay and the straight community in her school. She also is uh, doing <laughs> Dungeons and Dragons Club, which is kind of fun. I'm, I'm really curious to see how that turns out because it's something I I have some interest in and I think she'll have a lot of fun doing that um, and it's really helping her as a junior in high school to prepare for um, prepare for college and to really focus on her studies and get you know to really get all of her ducks in a row 
um, without the, the added distraction of having to be an Olympic-level swimmer, which was, you know, again, that was a really tough to balance all those things out. And she, was, she did a really great job at it. But, um, you know, school gets really serious the last two, two years of college, or <laughs> college, two years of high school. And um, sometimes there's things that, that are priorities, you know, and I don't, if, I think that she's going to really lay herself a, a really important foundation if she does well these last two years. And um, that's just one example from my life of, of being able to shift perspective to mourn the things that we've lost and that have passed out of our life for the time being, but also have gratitude for what remains. And that gratitude will lead us to the path of fulfillment. I think that, that that's the real key with this, this decade is find some gratitude in your life. Um, and, you know, shifting perspective, try not to brood over the challenging emotions and get fixated on something unattainable. The reality of the situation is, is that uh, while my daughter was a great swimmer and I'm really proud of the effort that she put into her, uh, her swimming, she's probably not going to go to the Olympics. And I, I, I'm coming to terms with that. And that's okay. That is okay. I love her unconditionally, whether she's an Olympic swimmer or not. And I'm realizing just in hindsight that, you know, we were going through a lot of like uh, Neptune squares that uh, I had some intensity around it and some dreams around it that were, you know, ambitious. And being able to come to terms with that as a parent and see her dreams start to flower rather than like, and I think that don't, don't, don't give me a mistake. I wasn't like a super stage mom that forced her to do anything. Like I, I was very uh, encouraging, but also intense. I have an intensity about me, as you can tell. Um, I had high expectations. I would say, I will say that I, my, 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 process or my mindset was if you're going to do something you're going to do it with your whole heart and i'm not going to accept anything less than your best effort and your best effort may change over time it may change and this is true for all of you too your best efforts may change depending on your circumstances but i do think doing things with your whole heart will will lead you to success whatever success looks like success does not look the same for everyone i saw a really great twitter feed that i wanted to share too about uh it was a, a an indigenous person on Twitter talking about working with uh, the white community on a book and, and this like this agent that she had or something like that that was constantly pushing her to go 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 all the time and this and I wonder if this may be a thing and I feel this too in America and maybe white society I don't know if it's a white thing necessarily but it could be um, there's always this need to be doing something at every moment. Like we have to be planning the next thing. We have to be doing the next thing, the next achievement, the next thing, the more growth, 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 growth. And that's not the way that the indigenous culture would be. There's, this, there's a time for growth. There's a time for rest. There's a feeling that just being is a, and being in a point of stillness is doing something. And, and they're aware of the cycles of nature and aware of the cycles of growth and the cycles of decay and contraction. And she said something really interesting about the feeling the weight of your ancestors, your thousands of ancestors behind you. And I'm not sure if I talked about this last week or not. I think I did, but it just, it, it stuck with me. And it, it was, 
I think it's okay just to be in, in these times. You don't always have to be doing something or expanding what you're doing. You don't have to be proving yourself to anybody. It's enough to just be at this time. And I think with Scorpio Mercury, we're going to be, you know, this is a time where we're heading towards the growth of the night and the, the contraction energy. It's okay to start letting go of things. This isn't a time to grow everything all the time. This, you can, there will be some of you that are growing things and there, you know, everybody's on a different time frame on a certain level. If you're born in a different time of year, you may have growth in some area of your life and the times that are normally associated with, you know, decay. But in general, uh, this is a time we're going internal. It's a time for, for stillness, time for appreciating what you have. It's appreciating the harvest of what you've been able to do, even if it was humble, even if it was surviving, even if it was just maintaining some sense of equilibrium or, or normalcy in your life. Maybe what you're harvesting is appreciation of the discipline that you had to be able to protect your community you know, by staying home. Maybe realizing that if you have been disciplined during this pandemic, that you've probably saved hundreds, if not thousands of lives. And that is worth acknowledgement. That's worth your acknowledgement. It's worth it that if you've done something like that and you've been that kind of light for your community, that is achieving something. And I think that that's going to, that type of awareness of your community and is going to lead to good things happening in the new paradigm that is going to require that to be the norm, not the exception. As we move forward through climate change and the new Jupiter-Saturn conjunction in air signs, community is going to take on greater importance. Doing things for the good of the whole is going to be something absolutely necess necessary instead of just like, oh, I'm in this volunteer group or, oh, I do donated to this cause. It's not going to be like that anymore. That's going to be the norm. That's going to be what we have to do to make sure that we all have the, even the opportunity to pursue individual needs, desires, and individuation. Because it's hard to individuate if you don't have a home, if you don't have clean air to breathe, if you don't have clean water to drink, you know, you're not going to, you know, build your Twitter following if you're worried about fucking breathing. Okay. And I have friends right now that I talk to on the West Coast. They're going on a week now of breathing toxic air and hiding in their homes because they can't breathe. It's crazy. It's hard to function in that type of reality. So, if you're taking those actions now, you are ahead of the curve. And it will be a much easier um, blossoming out of the cocoon if you're able to do that. So I think that's what I've got for this week. That's, I think that's the, the tenor and the note that I will leave you on. Hang in there, everybody. Change is hard. Um, it's a... Uh, yeah, it's, it's a difficult, it's not easy. It's not easy, you know, dissolving all of our DNA within the cocoon and getting ready for the new start, but that's where we're headed. Looking ahead to next week, 
from uh, September 28th through October the 4th, we're going to see Venus making a trine to Mars um, in the fire signs. Uh, and we will see Saturn stationing direct at 25 degrees of Capricorn on Tuesday, the 29th, as we are experiencing simultaneously the perfection of the Mars retrograde square to Saturn at 25 Aries and 25 Cap. So we are getting to the peak of frustration and we'll start to alleviate some of that tension as we move forward, hopefully. On Wednesday, the 30th, uh, Venus will be conjoining that fixed star Alphard in, at 27 Leo that I was talking about. And then we'll have a full moon on uh, October the 1st, Thursday, October the 1st, full moon conjoining, uh, the sun's gonna be conjoining the fixed star diadem, which is about the sacrifice of the queen, uh, the sacrifice of her hair so that the, uh, her husband could return from war. She sacrificed and gave it as an offering, a divine offering to Aphrodite for protection. So this full moon may be about being, you know, making a sacrifice for, for someone else. On Friday, the 2nd of October, Venus will move into its um, fall in the sign of Virgo. And the sun will conjoin Vindemiatrix, the Widowmaker. And then on, finally on Sunday, the, 10, uh, the 3rd of October, uh, Pluto is going to be stationing direct at 22 degrees. So um, we'll see what that brings. So that's what I've got for you this week. Uh, thank you for your support. Uh, please keep your eyes peeled for the new things that may be coming out. I can't guarantee that it's going to be released soon. I'm working on it. Um, it may be coming out, though. Uh, I'm going to be up. I've been updating my website. I've been removing a lot of old stuff. So take a gander at spencermichaud.com. There's a, a little bit more focal points. There's a way to sign up for my newsletter. Um, I'm going to be posting more of my offerings. I'm doing offering, a, I got a really good suggestion about doing a quarterly reading where you do like an, a 45 minute to an hour long check-in every uh, four months or so, three or four months, like once every three months, I guess you'd call it. And I'm going to offer a little bit of a discount on, on the time if you, if you buy it in that kind of um, uh, package, I guess you could call it. Uh, yeah. And I've just been uh, putting together new things. So, so keep visiting the website. Keep checking in here. If you like the work that I'm doing, please hit that subscribe button and share with your friends. I also, before, before I release anything with a Patreon, there's still ways to support my work. I have a, a donate button here with a PayPal me and at Venmo. And you can also reach out and, and schedule a reading. Uh, eventually in the weeks to come, I hope to uh, add a scheduling app to my website where you can you know, schedule your things with uh, and, and do payment right on the website and streamline that process without... 10 emails back and forth between the two of us. Um, but for the time being, if you want to reach out for a reading, send me an email at spencermichelleastrology.com and uh, we'll figure out how to make that a reality. If you want to reach out and figure out what your fall equinox uh, experience uh, has in store for you and what, what, you, what needs to stay and what you need to let go of. All right, everyone. That's what I've got for this week. Be kind to one another. Remember, a, a spoonful of sugar will help the medicine go down. Take care. Peace.